haven't fully learned how to operate this yet, so I'm going to have a training course next week. <laughs> I got so many buttons up here now, and I don't know what's button this which. I gotta, I gotta figure out how to work all this stuff. You see, okay there, Not really. That's okay. It's, it's, huh? It's uh, this light here. Can you turn it on? Yeah, turn it on. I can't see. I can't see nothing. Yeah. Okay. Good. I can see now. Yeah. Luke chapter 2. We're in Luke's, Luke's gospel. Luke chapter 2. May well be the most familiar and beloved portion in Luke's gospel. Luke is a beloved physician. You know, this Luke chapter 2 is about the Christmas story, the birth of Christ. And I know when my wife and our kids were small, we would read the Christmas story to our kids before they open their presents up. I would read sometime, you know, in Matthew, and I would go to Luke, read about the Christmas story, so they would know what Christmas was all about. It's about the birth of Christ. Why was he born? Matthew said he was born to take away sin. You know, it was... So Dr. Luke, he gives us three glimpses into the early years of Christ's life. You know, Christ was born for a reason. God does things for a reason. He's delaying his coming right now for a reason. He wants everybody to come. Okay, guys, he's saying, come into my kingdom. The time is running out. Come now. Come now. Tell everybody you know. God does everything for a reason. Jesus was born for a reason. Adam, let sin come into the world. Jesus came and died on the sin for our sins to bring us back in fellowship with the Father because the fellowship was broken through Adam. And Jesus came. He said that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Do you have that abundant life? I hope you do. But Christ was born of a virgin. We said last week that man had nothing to do with it because man was sinless. I mean, man was a sin, and Christ was sinless. Man was a sin, so man couldn't be involved in the virgin birth at all because he would have passed his blood, sin blood all the way down to us. That's why it had to be born of a virgin, a pure bloodline. Not that, you know, Mary was perfect, but she was born of a virgin. Now, now a lot of seminaries today, uh, they did not have virgin birth. And I'm amazed at that. And some of these guys, they graduate from seminary, and then they stand behind pulpits, and they teach what they were taught in the seminaries. Uh, I just think, boy, you know, this is really terrible. How could anyone, and I don't see what's so hard about it, to believe in the virgin birth. I don't see what's so hard. That's what the Bible says. We didn't just, we didn't just make this up. So Christ is born. Luke chapter 2, verse 1, and it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered, that all the world has been, you know, caused much difficulty over the years. 
but it was talking about Palestine, all of Palestine area. They, all, they had to come to be taxed every year. So I know no one likes to pay taxes. Uh, people don't like tax gatherers, tax people, you know, and you know, Matthew was a tax collector and Jesus called him, but we are still supposed to scripturally pay our taxes, right? So there's, verse 2 said, this census first took place with Quirinius was governor, governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Everyone had to go back to, and to their ancestral, where their ancestral records were kept to be taxed. Augustus Caesar was ruling at the time, but God was in charge. For he used Caesar's to move Mary and Joseph 80 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem to fulfill his word. Many times God can use an unbeliever to carry out his will. Rome took a census every 14 years for both military and tax purposes, and each Jewish male had to return to the city to his father's, where his father's records were kept. They would check out the occupation, they would check out the property, they would check out the family, so they would know how to tax him. But the inhabitants of every city should have, were recorded, and they were taxed. Every city, every family, every house. And Joseph went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, according to Micah 5, 2. But you, Bethlehem, Urathus, though you are a little among the thousands of Judah, Yet out of you shall come forth me, the one to be ruler over Israel, whose going forth are from of old, from everlasting. So here we are, Joseph, in verse 4, they goes from Galilee to Nazareth. But it was prophesied already in Micah chapter 2 that it would happen exactly the way it did. Bethlehem means the house of bread. You know, Jesus was that bread of life. The three-day three journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem was about, they say, about 80 miles. So it took, a it took a lot longer since Mary was in her condition, was pregnant. So, But Caesar Augustus decreed that everyone return to their homeland to be taxed. Little did he know he was simply fulfilling Scripture he was fulfilling Micah 5, 2 and didn't even know it. God can even use an unbeliever to fulfill his will, although the unbeliever is not even aware of it. Hmm. But it had to be registered, verse 5, with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that, that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger because there was no room for him in the end. There's still no room for Jesus, is it? Even today, it hasn't changed much, has it? 
No one is crying out to Jesus and saying, Lord, we need, we need your help. I don't see America repenting. I mean, we ought to be throwing up, we ought to be throwing up both hands right now and say, Lord, this world is in a mess. We need your help. We need you to help us. There was no room for him. So she brought her firstborn wrapped in swallowed clothes. Her firstborn indicates that Mary had other children. You know, you can, Matthew 13, 53 through 56, it talks about, now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables that he departed from there. When he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is this not his mother, Mary, and his brother James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And his sisters, are they not with us? Where then did this man get all these things? The wisdom that he had at a young age, he confounded the Jews. He confounded everybody. But he, Mary did have other children. She brought her firstborn, yes, but she did have other children. A mother in that day wrapped their infants in long bands of cloth to give the limbs strength and protection. The swaddling clothes were strips of cloth were used to wrap the babies to help them to keep warm to help them keep secure. And this is still a custom today in, in many uh, Eastern cultures. They would wrap them to be warm and secure, the baby feel protected, long strings of cloth. Sounds pretty comfortable. But they allowed him in a manger of all places. Really what it was was a feeding trough for animals. That's what it was a feeding trough for animals because there was no room for him in the end. All the multitudes were going to be enrolled, to be taxed, and all the lodging in the inns, they were all occupied, they were all filled up. So when Jesus showed up, there was no room left. The Christ child in the manger is the subject of a beautiful Christmas scene, but we must not Leave him in the manger. We cannot leave Christ in that manger. Christ is no longer in that manger. Amen. Christ is no longer in that tomb, and Christ is no longer on that cross. Amen. No longer. So we got to let him grow up. He lived, a, he lived an amazing life. He died and he ascended to heaven, and he's going to return again, King of kings and Lord of lords, and I can see it. I can see the times are winding down. I don't know if you can see it, but Jesus said, beware of the signs of the times. Beware. Watch. Do you still picture Jesus in a, in a manger? Is he, is he your Lord? Make sure you don't underestimate Jesus. Let him grow up in your life. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem, deity invaded humanity. Deity invaded humanity. Eternity invaded time. 
Now, verse 8 says, Now there were in the, in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. The watch to, you know, the shepherds would protect their flock at night from robbers and from animals. So they were very protective over their sheep, over their flock. In verse 9, and said, Behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Anytime anyone seen an angel, they was very afraid. Now, you know the Bible said we're not supposed to worship angels, right? You can read the book of Revelation, and every time John would try to worship an angel, the angel said, don't do that. You know, he, couldn't, he would not accept the praise because God is not going to share his glory with any man. It's not going to happen. Then the angel of the Lord said to him, verse 10, Do not be afraid, for behold, I will bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people, not just to Jewish people. Jesus is for the whole world. Jesus is for everybody. And he wants you to come as you are. Did you know that? I hear people say, man, once I stop drinking and once I stop smoking and once I stop chewing and gambling and all, then I don't know. No, I said, you know what? Jesus said, come as you are. Can you believe that? And I'll forgive. He said, I'll forgive all your sins. Just bring them all with you. Bring all your bad habits and your vices with you. I will wipe you clean as white as snow if you will come to me. Boy, you can't beat that. But he says here, he's going to bring good tidings to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is called Christ, the anointed one. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swollen clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, I mean, you know, heavenly host means there were thousands of angels. They were saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. The world is looking for peace now. But, you know, there won't be no peace until the Prince of Peace shows up. There will not be any peace on earth. We wanted to be peace on earth and goodwill toward men, of course. We want that. But the heart is wicked. Desperately wicked, as Jeremiah said. Until that heart is changed, it's going to get progressively worse. Oh, no, I'm a very, I'm a very uh, patient driver. You know, I don't like people tailgating me and, and honking their horns. You know what I'm saying? Uh, this ain't California, but I don't, know what I'm, I don't know if it's my driving or what, but the last week, people just ride my bumper and just honking the horn. I'm driving the speed limit, and I'm thinking, well, what am I doing wrong? I'm thinking, what am, what am I doing? And I said, well, I, look, I looked at this verse. There will be, they don't have the peace in their hearts. The unbeliever, they don't have the peace in their hearts. And if you look in people's eyes, when you go out, you can look in people's face, and you can see they don't have the peace that we do. And I, I think that we should have compassion for them and try to reach them with the love of Christ. Because can you imagine, can you imagine living, living in a time like this 
the way the world is today without Christ. Can you imagine that? I, I, would, I would just go insane. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. But I'm so glad that he, Jesus said, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He don't want you to be afraid. So the angel said, glory in the highest, peace on earth. Goodwill toward men. And they came with haste and found a baby in Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told. I believe that when God speaks, uh, Mary kept those things in her heart. You know, Mary tried to, if she had tried to explain that she was a virgin, who do you think would have believed her? Uh, I believe that when God speaks something to us, many times, maybe we need to keep it to ourselves. Because if Mary had told people that she had been chosen by God to be conceived by the Holy Spirit, they would have probably thought, well, man, what planet is she on? The Bible says, you know what she did? She zipped it, and she did exactly what God did, and she kept those things in her heart, and she was still obedient, and it did what God told her to do. Many times you being told by God to do something, and no one understands except you. Many times even you don't understand it. And when you try to explain it to someone, they go, what? <laughs> people think you lost your mind. You should have heard people when I first went into the ministry. Man, they said, what? <laughs> I mean, people, they meant well. When I told them uh, God had... They have my heart to go into the ministry and to teach the word and to be a pastor. A lot of people thought, what? <laughs> you? I mean, some people, bless their hearts, they can be discouraging to you. Amen. If God calls you to do something, I guarantee you, I'm not going to discourage you. I guarantee you, I'm going to say, man, you go, man. I'm going to say, lady, uh, you go. God used men and women to fulfill his will here on earth. And I'm not going to be a discourager. I'm going to be an encourager. Because I can't see your heart, and I don't know what God has told you. But you know what he told you. He didn't speak to everybody. He spoke to you. So don't stop, stop trying to please whatever people say. What people say, stop trying to get people to agree with you. Because they won't. You just... Do the same thing Mary did. You just had those things in your heart and you'd be polite and you'd be nice, but you go right on and listen to the voice of God and do what God tells you to do. That will save you a lot of headache. 
When God calls you to do something, he always gives you the faith to do it. Mary knew how to keep her mouth shut and not to open it. She punted those things in her heart. You know, I'm amazed at how God uses shepherds. You know, shepherds back in those days, they were the first one to declare the Messiah. You know, here, uh, shepherds were outcasts. People looked down on shepherds. But who did God appear to first? Shepherds. He didn't go to the theologians. Shepherds were outcasts of Israel. If you told somebody you were a shepherd, no one wanted to be around you. They were considered ceremonially unclean. But God doesn't see as man sees because man can only see the outward appearance, but God sees the heart. Humble shepherds. Goes to show you that God can use anybody. These guys out of this keeping sheep, ordinary people, shepherds, considered outcasts. And God said, I want you guys to go tell them the Messiah has been born. Of all people, shepherds. Hmm. So don't ever think that you're too little or you don't know enough or you're not good enough to be used by the Lord, because all God wants is just a willing vessel. Nobody, nobody can do anything without him, really. But he just wants you to be obedient. I don't know what God has called you to do in these last days, but whatever it is, just listen to the Lord's voice and do what he asks you to do. Verse 21 says, And when the eighth day were completed for the circumcised of the child, his name was called Jesus the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. I mean, on the, on the eighth day, they were circumcised, the children. In verse 22, said that when the days of her purification, according to the law, was completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The time of her purification was, according to the Mosaic law, the mother of a child was unclean. On the eighth day, the boy was circumcised, but she remained unclean 33 more days until she presented a burnt offering and a sin offerings. Then she was clean, according to Leviticus chapter 12. It said, it is written in the law of God, every male who op opens the womb shall be called the holy of the Lord. And to, in verse 24, it says, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves, uh, two pigeons. It shows the poverty of Joseph and Mary. You know, uh, if they couldn't afford a lamb, if people couldn't afford a lamb at the orphan, they had to bring turtle doves. They had, they had to bring pigeons. It shows the poverty. They were poor. They couldn't afford the lamb. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just, was just in devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. He was waiting for the promised Messiah, the consolation of Israel. 
He is mentioned no place else in Scripture, this guy here. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord Christ. So he came by the Holy Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are getting your servant, you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. He was privileged to see the Lord before he dies. How important it is for anybody to see Christ before they die. How important it is to be a believer before you die. He said it was a privilege. He said what you have prepared before all the people and the light to bring salvation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. All Jews believed the Messiah would come from Israel along with, but what he was, Jesus had a wider purpose. He's, he said he came for all people, verse 31. He came not only for the Jewish people, he came for the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken to him. Then Simeon blessed him and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, the child is destined for the fall and the rising of, of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be uh, spoken against that his child would be destined for the fall, the fall and the rising of Israel. Christ rises up to those who believe in him, and it was a stumbling block to those who disbelieve. Not everyone is going to accept, not everyone is going to accept salvation. Not everyone is going to be saved. Everyone can be saved, but not everyone is going to. He says, yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. That sword refers to the agony that Mary would, would face, the grief that she would endure watching her son die on the cross, John 19. Mary was, Mary as well as Jesus would suffer deep anguish. Jesus was despised and he was rejected he came unto his own and they did not receive him yes it's a terrible thing to be rejected but the one thing about Jesus there is no neutral ground there is no neutral ground You got to make a decision with Jesus. You just can't say, well, I'm just going to just straddle the fence and I'm just not going to make a decision. Well, no decision is a decision. Everyone has to make a decision. You either accept him or you don't. But you can't, you can't be in the middle. He, he forces a person. He said, if you're not... For me, you are against me. Boy, that's hard. In verse 36, said, now was a, and verse 36, now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phineel, 
of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple but served God with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming in that meant instant she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Israel. Anna looked for the Lord. Simeon looked for the Lord. She lived in anticipation of the coming Messiah. She was a prophet, prophetess. She, was, she referred, she spoke God's word. There were seven prophetesses in the Bible. Miriam, Exodus 15. Deborah was a prophetess. Judges 4, verse 4. Philip's daughter was a prophetess, Acts 21. Spoken the word of God. In verse 39, it says, When they had performed all things according to the love of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom. And the grace of our God was upon him. That must have been a hard thing to grow up in a house with Jesus. You know, he just did everything right all the time, you know. I mean, that must have been rough, man, for his brothers and sisters. I mean, he was perfect. You know, he was obedient to his parents. He did everything they told him. He, he was no problem. You tell him to take out the trash, he said, take out the trash, you know. He wouldn't give nobody no problem. It must have been rough. But Jesus, in verse 41, he amazes the scholars. He's, he's, he's meeting these Jewish scholars, and he's going to baffle them with the wisdom that he has. But his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of, custom of the feast. There were three feasts a year, Feast of Weeks, Feast of Unleavened Bread, Feast of First Fruits. They had to go up every year to these feasts. According to God's law, every male was required to go to Jerusalem three times a year for these feasts. But the Passover was a you know about that. Commemorated the night of the Jews. They escaped from when God had killed the Egyptian, their firstborn, but had passed over the Israelite homes. So the Passover was the most important of these three festivals. At the age of 12, a Jewish boy began to observe the requirements of the law. And they could repeat a lot of it. But when they had finished the days and they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother did not know. Hmm. Under the, under, the, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Luke is careful to refer to Mary as Jesus' mother, but not Joseph as his father. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and their acquaintances. You know, villagers who made their pilgrimage to Jerusalem usually traveled in caravans, and each parent, they, they, some kind of way Jesus got lost because each parent thought he was with this other caravan over here. Uh, they, they thought there was with another 
company of people over there. They, were, they traveled in groups, and he got lost. They were unaware of it, and they could not find him. So they returned to Jerusalem seeking him, verse 45. Now as it was, after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to him and asking them questions. You know, during the Passover, uh, the Jewish religious leaders, the teachers would come out on the terrace in the temple and they would sit in a circle on the floor and they would discuss the matters of the law. They would discuss Jewish theology and worship. And any guest could join the conversation. Well, guess, well, guess who joined the conversation? Jesus did. Guess who, who, guess who won? These were rabbis, great theologians. They knew the law. They were scholars. They were experts in Judaism. But they were no match for the wisdom that Jesus had. They searched three days for Jesus. They, they, they apparently realized he was missing at the end of one day. They knew he was missing, but it required another day to go back to Jerusalem and a better part of another day they spent looking for him. I mean, he wasn't gone three days before they missed him. No. They missed him the first day, but it took them another day to get back to Jerusalem to try to look for him. It took them more than another day to try to find him. Jesus was listening to these guys, asking them questions, these religious leaders. He was, he was very respectful at a young age. But it shows the wisdom that he had. And he put these teachers to shame. It says, when they had heard, verse 47, said, when they had heard him, they were astonished at his understanding and answers. The depth of his wisdom astounded the teachers. It says, they, were, they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to his son, son, why have you done so to this? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Even at a young age, Jesus knew he was commissioned to accomplish God's task right here on earth, even at 12 years old. Preaching the good news, and he was headed to that cross. From the time he was born, he was headed to that cross. He said, did you guys know I was at, I, I'm here for a reason. I'm here to fulfill my father's will, to do his will. I'm commissioned to do a task. Don't you know I'm about my father's business? He gently reminds them that they should have known what his mission was. They should have known. But they didn't understand. Verse 50 said, but they did not understand the statement which he spoke. They didn't understand it. They should have understood it, but they didn't understand it. And Jesus advances in his wisdom, verse 51, and he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his Mary kept these things in her heart. He said he was subject to him like any child should be subject to their parents. Jesus was very obedient to his parents. They went down there, and they came to Nazareth, was not a popular town. That's what did Nathaniel say? 
in John's gospel, how could any good thing come out of Nazareth? Of all the places to be born, he was born in a, a little old hick town called Nazareth that was not highly respected. The Messiah was born in Nazareth. And when they, that's why they were, he was called Jesus of Nazareth because a lot of people back in those days was named Jesus. But he wanted to specify, this is Jesus of Nazareth. That separates me from all of them. Like any child, but he say he was subject to them. Like any parent's child should be subject to them. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and all men. He increased in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and all men. All men knew that this kind of wisdom was supernatural. Supernatural. Paul said, when a, a, a person become a believer, we don't have the wisdom of this world. The wisdom that I, the way we think, the world don't even think like that. It's like you hear people talk sometimes and go, what? He's like, but now that you have the spirit of God, you don't even talk the same. Your, your whole speech has changed. Because you now you have the wisdom of the word. You have the Holy Spirit abiding in you and your whole conversation has changed. People can see that. He was subject to his parents. When a child is subject to their parents, when a child is respectful to their parents, it will stand out. It will stand out just like that when a child is respectful to their parents. When I grew up in Tennessee, everybody was my parent. If Sister Smith down the street said I did something, she could spank me. <laughs> she wasn't even my mom. She could spank me. And my mom said, I had to let her spank me. You know, they told us don't throw rocks. I threw a rock. Hit a guy in the head with a rock. Well, Mrs. Smith, she said, come over here. And they would take off that belt back in those days. They can't do it now. <laughs> but boy, they would take off that belt. And brother, you knew next time not to throw the rock. But they, the old people back in those days, they didn't play with you. When they told you to do something, you better do it. Because, uh, you know, my parents, you know, they, they didn't have no disrespect. They says, you always respect your parents. But we had to respect any adult. Whether they were our parents or not, we had to respect them. And we had to call them, yes, ma'am. And we had to call them, yes, sir. We had to do that. And it was no big deal to us. My mom, bless her heart, she's dead in her grave, but she says, son, she says, people don't want to see a bad kid coming. <laughs> she said, people don't like bad children. So when you see a kid that's respectful, you thank them for it. You, you say, you know what, that's really respectful. I really appreciate that because it really stands out. She said, because 
It's just like, this is about 50 years ago, but just like she's talking to me right now, she said, your attitude and your personality and your character will get you a long ways in life. I've talked to so many, so many kids, youth, where they go from job to job to job to job, they can't get along with anybody. So it's not always a job. I say, well, you better, you know, could be you. And I'm, I'm convinced that your personality will get you a long ways in life if you learn to get along with people and to love people. Because I work with a lot of unbelievers and I still had to re respect them and try to get along with them. But a child, Jesus learned obedience. You are not doing your children any favors by giving them everything they want. Contrary to popular belief, now people think, think they can buy children's love anymore. Just buy them this, this, and buy them that, and throw them in, in front of the TV. That's not raising their children. The Bible says, whoever the Lord loves, he chastens. Sometimes you have to tell the kids, hey, you know, that's, you have to tell them. Sometimes they don't know. Tell them, if you see them making an error or a mistake, tell them. And I tell you what, you will not regret it. Because Proverbs say a child left to himself will shame his mother. He's going to shame you one day because he's going to get worse. I've talked to so many couples. I don't know how I got off on this, but I'm, just more, I'm on the roll right now. So, so watch out. I've talked to so many parents with a woman, she, or other man, they don't believe in discipline. So the child's just running loose. You know, the child will throw a spoon or he'll throw a glass across the room, you know, and parents don't, do, don't say anything. And uh, as he gets older, he's, he gets worse. That's why the Bible said, train the child while there's hope. Train him while he 